Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO Sapiens Season 7, all about entrepreneurship. This is a show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, if you're going to succeed in entrepreneurship, you need to figure out your kind of your plan in life and plan your career. And my guest today is the perfect person to talk about that. Her name is Lisa Skeet Tatum, and she's the founder and CEO of Landit, which is a personalized career pathing platform created to increase the success and engagement of everyone but particularly women in diverse groups in the workplace. The platform offers a turnkey, one-size-fits-one, I like that expression, solution that enables companies to attract, develop, and retain diverse, high-potential talent. So this is good if you're an entrepreneur trying to attract people or if you are somebody who's trying to manage your career. That's what we're going to get into today. Now, Lisa is a super interesting person. She was previously a general partner for over a decade with Cardinal Partners, which is a $350 million early stage healthcare venture capital firm. She also had earlier roles at Procter & Gamble, GE Capital. She started her own consulting practice and she does many more things on top of that. She serves on numerous high growth public and nonprofit boards, including publicly listed Stryker Corporation, Union Square Hospitality Group, the Cornell University Board of Trustees and the Harvard Business School Board of Dean's Advisors. She's doing it all. She's a very impressive woman. And in our conversation, you're going to learn a bunch of things. First of all, we're going to talk about why she left this plum job in venture capital to launch her own company. We're going to talk about how a person goes from reactively managing their career to being proactive so that they can actually make change. We're going to talk about how you can figure out what you're actually good at, which, by the way, from my own experience, is a lot harder than it sounds. And we're going to talk about how you build this, what she calls a risk-taking squad. I love that term. And it's basically the people who are going to support you as you make the right moves and take the right risks in your career and in your life. So there's a lot there, a lot of good stuff, and she's super thoughtful. Now, my small ask, I'm going to just keep it related to the topic of the day, is connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn Lots of good stuff on there on my LinkedIn. I promise you, you can find my course, all kinds of good content. It is, it's a good spot. And uh, you can find me if you go to linkedin.com slash IN slash Patrick dash McGinnis. That's linkedin.com slash IN slash Patrick dash McGinnis. All right. And now on to the interview. As you know, I like to start every conversation with the same question. And so I started by asking Lisa this. 
What's a formative decision you've had to make to get to where you are today? The decision that I had to make that even allowed me to have this opportunity was the courageous decision to leave Procter & Gamble. Who leaves a company like Procter & Gamble? (laughs) But if I had not done that, then there's no way I would have discovered this world of entrepreneurship, which then led me to this world of venture capital because I was briefly on the dark side, which then through that experience led me to create Landed. And so when I think about, and it was an amazing place to get started, by the way, but it was at an inflection point where I could have continued on that amazing path or what I always do is zig when everyone else is zagging and take that path. So as I was thinking about, gosh, what were those decision nodes that opened up opportunities? That was a biggie because my mother's like, you're doing what? Say what? So. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I always give the advice, you know, a lot of people just want to be entrepreneurs straight away. And I'm sort of like, Mm. it is good. Get a brand on your resume, learn how to do a PowerPoint, you know, like just those, like learn how to do a spreadsheet, learn how to sit in a meeting and listen, all those sort of things. And you don't get those unless you work at one of these companies where you kind of learn some good habits, right? Indeed, indeed. Foundational, I like to say, and P&G is an amazing training ground. I happen to be one of those where when someone says, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm a little skeptical of that because it's hard. It's really, really hard. And my definition is an entrepreneur, someone who identifies something and they can no longer live with the status quo, right? They're going to run through fire in order to, to meet that goal. And so it's not like I was like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, even though I was always entrepreneurial, which mm. I think is quite different. Oh, Lisa. It's just like yes. having you here and you just fit right in on this show. So I want to start because I've been studying your background and you've done a lot of cool stuff, right? You did P&G, you were in venture capital, you've been on boards of companies, you're on boards of companies now and nonprofits and you have your company that you started land it. But mm. what I was getting, so it's funny, you're like leaving P&G. I was like, when I read your bio, I was like, why the heck would you leave a very comfy, nice venture capital career which, you know, you're at like a multi-hundred million dollar fund investing mm. in exciting healthcare startups, like to leave that for the like treacherous wild waters of entrepreneurship. I was like that. I was like, Oof, that is a move. So yes. talk about that. Yes. Well, not only that, but I had sacrificed everything to actually have a chance to get into VC. Mm. And I really thought that was going to be my end all be all because, as you know, there aren't one, it's hard to get in, period, but there certainly aren't a lot of folks uh, from my demographic. Mm-hmm. And so, but it wasn't the first time I had given up everything because, as I mentioned, once I made that brave decision to leave PNG and and had a little taste of the startup and said, gosh, I want to do this for more people. And then someone said, what about venture capital? I didn't even know what that was. And I think that's part of the challenge sometimes is you don't even know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, Lisa, because you don't know anyone, your only chance of getting in is to go back and go to where they met lots of VCs. And I had worked for quite some time at that point. So I left all of that behind, somehow convinced my husband to come along too. So we had kind of two for the price of two. And I thought that was going to be it. But after a decade, I didn't want to do that anymore. And there are amazing things about VCs. And then there were some things that caused me to say, okay, what's next on the horizon? But as you said, you know, where do you go? 
after you've been a general partner at a VC firm. And that last inflection point, and I've done some pretty interesting things prior before or prior to that, um, it was really hard because even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what I don't know. And I wasn't even sure what my ask was when I was trying to figure out what it was. And then it was through that journey that I realized these things are really hard. And when you're feeling stuck and when you're at an inflection point, if you don't have a path, if you aren't surrounded with what I call your risk-taking squad, that's why we find ourselves in a position where we're not able to bring the full measure of ourselves to the workplace. So I did not set out to start Landit. It was in the process of realizing that career pivots can be, let's just say, less than satisfactory at times, that I realized that people were not able to achieve success on their own terms, not because they weren't motivated, but because they didn't have the access. And I couldn't live with the status quo anymore. And from my point of view, everything I had done in my life actually prepared me for this, although you're never really fully prepared. But it is, how do I take that P&G learning and also my experience as a VC and use that to change the landscape of the workplace? So that's how I got there. You know what I was thinking about when you're talking there? It's like, you're talking about making changes and a lot of people, especially right, you know, we have this whole phenomenon of the great resignation or, you know, some my friend Whitney Johnson calls it the great aspiration. And that's true too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think about when I left my wall street job for the wilds of doing my own thing. I didn't do that because like I had the courage to do that. I did that because Mm. my company blew up in 2008 AIG and I was forced to scramble and I would have never done it because of comfort, because of Mm. affirmation, because of all the things that happened to us that in our careers that just like the stakes of making change go up, the more entrenched you are in something. And so, you know, I think that's like, we're going to dig into that today, but I'm I'm curious how you think about that. Like, how does one go from reactive to proactive where it's like Mm -hmm. less about like, you know, having to have your job blow up to make a change, actually saying like, oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I need something different and I'm going to build a pathway to that. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a couple of ways to be disrupted. You can disrupt yourself or something can disrupt you or someone can help you get there. And so from my perspective, I think our whole relation to risk is actually not one that encourages risk, right? Because we think hazard, we think, all kinds of things are going to happen as opposed to where am I on that journey with that intersection between, you know, what I value, um, what I'm good at. I like to say, what do you love yourself for? What are you known for? Mm. Uh, what are your dreams? Like, when are you at your best? What does that look like? And then a healthy dose of kind of your non-negotiables. And I think because of fear, because uh, it is easy even though it's not the happiest path, it's easy to stay in your comfort zone. But if you strive for kind of that, a little bit of a discomfort, or you're not satisfied necessarily with the status quo, if the status quo is you're happy and it's great and you're bringing your full self, well, that's one thing. But if you are stuck and unhappy and underutilized and unseen, well, that's a whole nother story. And so the way I view it is, you know, even though you're scared, you act anyway. And even though you don't know what's on the other side, it's not like you take this blind leap on the other side. 
it is what I like to say, I win first. And by that, I mean, decide what it is that you would want or what you think you would want, and then figure it out. As opposed to, we can talk ourselves out of just about anything. Oh, not now. Oh, I don't have the skills. Or what if, what that. And then you find yourself still stuck and not feeling very fulfilled. As opposed to, God dang it, I'm doing it. I'm starting land it, and I have no idea what that's going to be. But I'm going to do it because I have my true north. And now it's like, well, then what do I need to do to help me achieve that goal? And it's a very different mentality winning first versus I'm going to go logically forward and see where I go. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. You mentioned the notion of like, what do I want to do? And then what am I good mm. at? You know, what yeah. am I known for? And a couple of years ago, I was speaking at the University of Cambridge over in the UK to a group about part-time entrepreneurship. And one of the, what I always say is like, you should, your part-time, your 10% as I call them should be what you're good at, what you like to do. Cause that intersection is your power alley and it, you know, mm-hmm. you'll be successful, but you'll, you'll actually make the time to do it. And so I, that's my kind of standard talk and a woman came up to me after a student and she said you know I don't really know what I'm good at and I was like well yes. what are you studying and she said well I'm getting a PhD in chemistry mm. and I was like well, <laughs> I have an idea for you chemistry right but ding, 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 but I think right? so many times and I went through this when I was going I'm like what am I good at you know I, I really couldn't get it at it and so let's start there like how do we yeah. figure that thing out You know, it's easier than we think, because it's interesting. One of the things that we do with Landed is when we help people figure out kind of what are the adjectives associated with your name? Mm. Well, it's 
What do people come to you for? When are you in the zone, right? You're doing it just because, right? People who are successful, they leverage their strengths. Yes, you have to be aware of the things you don't do so well and kind of fine tune those. But when you are really uh, in the zone and you feel like things are flowing, well, that's because you're leveraging your natural superpowers. Plus, there's all these tools out there that you can figure out kind of what are your quote, hard skills or soft skills, but you don't even need that. Because when we talk about, in our case, personal brand, it's what do people say and think about you that makes them want you in the room. People let you know kind of what you are, quote, an expert on or what they rely on you for. The question is, do we acknowledge it? And I think a lot of times as we're helping literally people around the globe kind of navigate their careers, it has to start with what you said, which is that anchoring of self. And if you don't know that, well, there's lots of tools that can help you with that. And that's also why your squad is so important, because people that can hold up that mirror to you and help you work through that. Uh, let's talk about that squad. I like squads. I'm, I'm yeah, a fan. The risk-taking squad. Talk yeah. about that. So we know that most people, when they think about, okay, who do you have to surround yourself with? They may think of, oh, I need a mentor. And mentors are really great. The problem with that is it's too heavy because no one wants you to come up to them and say, you know, will you be my mentor? Because it's slightly creepy and it's really heavy. And so what we say is, well, who are the five types of people you're surrounding yourself with? The mentor, of course, as part of your risk-taking squad, someone where you're driving the relationship and there's lots of frequency of touch. The difference maker for any mere mortal on the planet is the sponsor, right? This is someone who is talking about you. This is someone who's helping you see around corners. This is someone who even told me about venture capital because my grandmother for a long time thought I was a bank teller, which is a great job, but it wasn't exactly what I was doing. So it was my sponsor who said, hey, Lisa, let's whiteboard this out. And then I'm going to spend some of my social and political capital to help you. Uh, then you need the point expert, someone who has that knowledge, but they're going to share it with you. And then the connector, someone who knows everyone and they're willing, like a, a new, they're willing to make that connection on your behalf. And so when you think about it, because we all suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome, we all may not know all the skills we have. And so you have to surround yourself with people that are all in on you, kind of all on team, Lisa, but they're going to encourage you to take that leap when your inclination is to be safe. So I think about, you know, my husband. So we went back to business school together. We were both working for P&G and doing quite well. And I went back to do VC and he went back to do sports. But I remember as we were going through this and I had applied and I'd gotten in and I'm like, okay, so I'm out of here. So what would you like to do? And he's like, well, I'm not exactly sure. And I was like, well, when were you at your happiest? And then we got into the sports thing. And now he's, you know, the deputy commissioner of the NBA. But I think about that process where we were both at this inflection point and we went all the way down to the basics, which is, you know, who not only understands you, but who's going to give you that gentle loving shove off the cliff when your inclination is to not do that. So that's why it's important that you surround yourself with people because you will be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So some of you are like, oh, I better do some editing, but it's really important. First of all, power couple. Okay. At the ski hey. out. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> and you just mentioned in your comments, a new Dougal who's been on the show before a venture capitalist yes. from Founders Fund. And you know, as you talk Love about her. that, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, as you talk about her, like 
I love the notion of the squad. I have failed on the mentorship front. I'm really insecure mm. about asking people to be my mentor. In fact, I got to the point, I don't know if you've ever met a guy named Charlie Hale, who mm. is in New York City. He, he owns a company called Patch. And I really like Charlie. I respect him. One day, I awkwardly said to him, like, Charlie, will, will you be my mentor? And then I just wanted to ah! crawl into a rock. I felt so stupid. <laughs> and he was super nice to me, right? And it has been awesome. But I was really bad at that. I don't know why I feel mm -hmm. insecure. I want to be self-reliant, all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. When I reoriented my thinking around the notion of like a, like what you say, a squad, which is like the person could be younger, but know more about me, about crypto than me, or the person could Absolutely. be my peer. Like Anu gives me advice on things all the time. It changes the dynamic of, from this like power, like thing where you have like a, a, a senior person, junior person to, you can be people at all stages of your life and you are helping each other by digging into what you're good at and then, you know, offering that to the person and vice versa. So I think that that's like a, such a healthy way to think about building the team that's going to make you successful. Absolutely. And we like to say you don't ask because then all these expectations, but it's about this mutually beneficial and authentic relationship. But when you know the role that they play, you can keep it very tidy, right? So someone who's your sponsor, you're not laying everything at their feet, for instance, or you have someone who's an amazing connector like Anu. Well, and she can be a friend and a connector, but you kind of know what the boundaries are. So it doesn't feel so heavy, so much friction. And I think the challenge so many people have is they think it's just all about their skills and it's all about them. But the, you know, the little secret is no one's hunting around the world looking for folks, right? It is, you don't want to be the best kept secret. And so it's, how are you showing up in a way where someone says, yeah, I want to double down on you, or I'm going to get behind you, or I want to be that sounding board. And I think it's critical. I only surround myself with people who care enough about me to tell me the truth, who are going to tell me the good, but also help me avoid maybe some pitfalls. And if I'm going off, they're going to get me back kind of on track. And that's what we need to think about that cultivation of your board or your ecosystem, because we won't be able to achieve without it. It's just not possible. Lisa, I'm not going to ask you to be my mentor, but I do want you in my risk-taking squad. Tell Done. <laughs> Done. FOMO. FOMO. I want to talk a little bit about Landit because you've been building yeah. this company. Tell us what is Landit. What are you building? Indeed. So we are focused on increasing the success of everyone in the workplace. We know that talent is distributed, but opportunity is not. And so many organizations focus on intake when it comes to women or diverse groups. And that's certainly important. But equally important is what happens when someone gets there. Do they stay? Do they thrive? Do they progress? And so when you look at organizations, not only from the entry level, but all the way up through the board, you see this pervasive thinning out in terms of uh, representation. Mm -hmm. And when we see that, we say, you know, it's really not about capability. It's about access. So what we do is we knit together all those things that would typically be reserved just for the top of the pyramid, and most of us are not at the top of the pyramid, and kind of this one-size-fits-one, where we enable each and every person to own and drive their career, but we're there with the access that matters. Access to the most amazing certified coaches, how to build your board of advisors, how do you cultivate your executive presence? And then we use our technology to say, well, you're here and you need to get here. How do we help you skill development wise? And so we find that when you give people what they need when they need it, not only can you increase mobility 
and retention and engagement and happiness, you create a win-win where when the individual wins, the organization wins. And we do that in a very turnkey way that enables our partners, and we are very fortunate to have amazing global partners, can actually have their actions and their commitments match in a way that enables them to leverage their most untapped resource, which is their people. And it's probably even more so uh, important when you think about everything that's going on with the great resignation, people reevaluating, how do you meet each and every person where they are and not the traditional way of one size fits all, or you got to come together, or if you make it to the gauntlet, then we'll give you the investment. Invest early and often and personalize, and you literally can change the entire organization from a talent perspective. And is so this, that's what we do. And is this done via, uh, I guess, a, a web platform with a bunch of resources? Like how actually is the solution Indeed. delivered? Indeed. So think of it as um, we call it your playbook. It's a, your personalized playbook. All we need is the email and it's right there in the palm of your hands. It's almost as if you had a virtual career concierge kind of pathing you forward one step at a time. Because one thing is access. The other is pathing. And so it's the combination and the integration of those things that makes the difference. So uh, any human on the planet could access Landed, but we partner again with Fortune 1000 companies, high growth, et cetera, in over 70 countries. And they use that to invest in their talent because we're in a new world order. Mm. Portability, personalization, access now, not if I make it because people aren't making it because they're making choices to leave if the organization doesn't invest. So it's there, it's trusted because going back to the, I don't want to do VC anymore. It's not like I walked around saying, Hey, I'm feeling less than confident today, or, Oh, I don't know what my next step is. No one because of the social cost to admitting it is going to expose themselves in that way. So the fact that we can bring all that together in a way that gives access to the things that matter, that's why we see the acceleration in terms of career success and overall better performance at our partners. So that's how they go on and access it. And that's why I love technology, because you cannot level the playing field without it. Now, you mentioned something that I, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to ask it anyway, which is I remember when I started on Wall Street in my class class was diverse. I mean, it was, it was a real good mix of like gender and, and backgrounds and international, just every, you know, racial, religious, you know, it was, they, they do an amazing job of bringing in a class that looks like America. Mm. And then you look in the boardroom or you look in the C-suite and it is not diverse generally. And, mm -hmm. and it's not because, I mean, these companies invest theoretically. I mean, they, they, they mm -hmm. have whole teams of people that are meant to create a successful environment, but they do not succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd love to understand, you know, from your perspective, like what are the barriers? Like why, why, what's happening there that is causing this, lo this loss of talent as the yeah. ranks go up? Yes. So I'd say there's a couple of things going on. Uh, as you said, so much effort and care and feeding and kind of getting them in. And that's great. And it's a great metric. That's the difference between accountability and outcomes and a metric, right? So getting numbers in the door is great. But how do you hold people accountable? How do you take advantage of all that work? Well, you make sure that people have what they need in order to thrive, which includes not only the investment, but also going back to the top of the conversation, the sponsorship, the visibility and the opportunity. 
And because that doesn't happen for most, and sometimes we're not even aware of how, um, how our biases or the fact that we're not necessarily inclusive, uh, the barriers that that creates for others. But when you have transparency, because we know that what gets measured gets done, and when it's a part of how you succeed, well, then amazing things start to happen. And so it's a matter of how do you make the commitment from the beginning all the way through the ecosystem? And oh, by the way, it's not a zero-sum game. Because when you have diverse voices around the table, better outcomes, right? Uh, some of the crazy mistakes that we look and say, how'd that company do that? Well, probably because for whatever reason of whatever ilk, it was probably pretty homogeneous as opposed to, are you proximate to the people that you're serving in terms of you know, your ultimate product, et cetera? So it's access, it's sponsorship, it's investment, and it's accountability, plain and simple. And we want to make it mean this big, you know, boil the ocean kind of thing, but it's really not. It really comes down to those things. Yeah. I mean, for anybody running a business and for all listeners, homo sapiens out there working on stuff, it's, if you have a room of people that look just like you and sound just like you and think just like you, you're wasting your time because you Indeed. need people who are different. And I have... You know, I think a lot of us learn that the hard way because you may grow up in a place where you don't get challenged or people are like you and then you go out in the world. And it, the first times you meet people that are different and have different perspectives, it's uncomfortable sometimes, right? Indeed. But if you can start to see that, like that friction as an opportunity for learning, oof, you're going to win. Uh -huh. You're going to win a lot bigger. Uh -huh. Now, Lisa, yeah. all right, I have one more question for you, which is, so you do a lot of things, oh. but I imagine you say no. And I imagine part of what you teach people is how to say no to the things that they shouldn't be doing. And Indeed. saying no is a superpower that I lack. So what is your, what is your advice <laughs> on saying no? It's really, really important because in any of the, well, you can do anything, uh, but you can't do everything. And during this day and age, we think everything is urgent and important, and it's not. And because we want to be a great team player and because we want to be liked, right? No one wants to be rejected. We just figure out, we'll just get it done. And certainly if you're someone that has a lot of throughput, then it's like, oh, sure, I can take it on. I can take it on. But how it shows up is burnout and exhaustion and maybe not time for the things that matter. And so one of my favorite phrases is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing it's like that <laughs> hyper focus whether it be your personal life uh, professional life or things that you may do in the community so that the things on your plate are the things that give you energy not the things that drain you and so you can't just say no or i ain't doing it right it's got to be how you say it so sometimes it's um no period Sometimes it's, um, I can't do it now, but maybe here. Sometimes it's, I can't own it, but I'm happy to be a part. Sometimes it's, hey, call a new, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, or in the case, maybe where you're dealing with a, your manager or something like that, if you have alignment, if you will, on what the goals are, then when something kind of enters into the scene, it's like, well, I could do that, but then what will be removed? And I think people don't view, it's like negotiation skills. It's one of those things you have to have, or you will find yourself being crushed under the weight 
of everyone else's priorities, leaving very little self or time for yourself or for the things that matter. The main thing is to make the main thing the main thing, which, by the way, works for me in two ways because I'm from the Hmm. state of Maine. So like I could embroider it on a pillow each side with one just M-A-I-N, the other M-A-N-E. Yeah, or just M, just M, yes. All right, so (laughs) if you want to learn more about Landit, go to Landit.com. You can find Lisa on Instagram at Lisa Skeet Tatum. And of course, she's on LinkedIn, Lisa Skeet Tatum. Lisa, uh, thanks for being part of my risk-taking squad and thanks for being here. Thank you, thank you so much. And I'm so glad we got together. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO.